room. So if you have high school girls or you are one, you're welcome to attend that. Today is also the day for our Villa Valencia outreach where we go over to the convalescent home and at 1 o'clock put on a church service for the people there and at 2 o'clock go around and visit those who would appreciate a visit. It's a lot of fun. There's a flyer in the foyer that will inform you of that. Today our Wisdom Seekers group will meet at 2 o'clock in the prayer room. Now, wisdom seekers for us is sort of a euphemism because we don't like to say 50 plus or whatever, but Joan always lets me know everyone's welcomed. And that's true of every fellowship we have, but I just don't want you to show up and feel like you're the youngest person there. Go expecting to learn from what God has for you and be blessed at that time. And uh, today, um, Pastor Jeff Henneforth is going to be sharing with the Wisdom Seeker, sharing his testimony, and so it's a chance for you to get to know him. He's our administrative pastor, and so come on out, 2 o'clock over in the prayer room. College Fellowship meets tonight at 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Today, after second service, there's a meeting for people who want to help with VBS, Vacation Bible School. We're holding Vacation Bible School July 10th and the 11th. But today, um, after the second service up in the fellowship hall, there's an opportunity for those of you who would like to um, help out with VBS to come and see what the opportunities are and what the Lord may be leading you to do. June 17th, there's a construction day down in Mexico, and so if you just like to work with some of the people just doing a little construction, whether you're skilled or unskilled, um, probably determines part of what you do, but it's a, just a great chance to be with people who love the Lord and serve people and, and be used by God in their lives. So talk to Lyndon Brown if you'd like to know more about it. It's something we do regularly. This Saturday, there's an all-church picnic from 3 until 9 p.m. down at Salt Creek Beach. I think there are flyers that will tell you where Salt Creek is, but if you know this area at all, if you manage to find Alicia... Take Alicia down to Niguel, turn left on Niguel, and Niguel Street goes all the way down and crosses PCH where it turns into uh, the Ritz-Carlton Drive, and Salt Creek Beach is right down there. One of, the, one of the jewels in our county in terms of a place to go, it's just gorgeous, and there's picnic tables, we'll be down there, have games, and bring food for your family. The church will provide drinks and paper goods, and, and there are barbecue pits if you get there early enough. It's just a, a real fun Thing to do this Saturday. Also this Saturday, earlier than that, starting at 11 o'clock, several churches are getting together and doing an outreach down at Huntington Beach at the north side of the pier. They're going to have a stage set up and bands playing and a lot of street witnessing and things like that. So if you'd like to go down there about a quarter to 11 before our picnic and chip in and help out either going around passing out flyers or if you want to pass out flyers, I have some. You can get them from me and go down maybe Friday night and do it. But otherwise, they need people to just get in a group and pray, others to counsel people who have questions, and others to bring water back and forth to the people who are working the event and whatever. But um, that's this Saturday, beginning at 11 o'clock, north side of the pier. If nothing else, pray for it, and then we'll see you down at Salt Creek after that. Um, junior high and high school camps are coming up. Junior high camp is... July 30th through August 5th. The high school camp is July 16th through the 22nd. There's information on the youth table for that. And if you sign up early, apparently there's an early bird discount. So that's a good thing. And camp is just an awesome thing. If you have junior hires or high schoolers and they've been kind of hesitant to get involved with 
with the youth groups, then it's a great way to start for them to meet some other kids and, and just God really works in kids' lives through camps. And so encourage you to avail yourselves of that. There's also a lunch coming up on June 25th. That's a Sunday for the parents of the students in fifth and sixth grade who are moving up into sixth and seventh. It's to let you know about Ignite, our junior high ministry. You can meet the leaders, have your questions answered. Lunch is going to be provided. So keep that in mind if you have those who are going into 6th or 7th grade uh, on the 25th, Sunday at 1230 in the Fellowship Hall, get together for you. Also, there's an upcoming married couples retreat. That is Saturday or Friday and Saturday, September 29th and 30th at the Ayers Hotel in Mission Viejo. Just a chance to get away as a couple and, and enjoy each other, enjoy fellowship with other believers. And Pastor Ken Ortiz from Calvary Chapel, Spokane, who's just an excellent speaker on this topic, has written one of the better books on marriage that I've seen. Ken's going to be coming down and speaking, so I know you'll want to sign up for that. Sign up in the foyer. And we're starting a new singles fellowship. David Hirano is leading it. It will start... It'll be every other Sunday from June 11th through August the 6th, and then we'll just see how much of a, of a demand there is to continue the group. It won't be your typical singles, meat market sort of, you know, pickup place. You know, they won't be playing a biblical spin the bottle or anything like that. It's, it's just, you know, there are people who are single, and they have some special needs to feel like they belong, to, to get involved with others and fellowship with others. And so it's just a great chance to have some fellowship. And they also, like most of our fellowships, invite anyone else to come along. There are already a couple of married couples who want to participate. And so you don't have to be single as long as you have a heart for single people and, and helping them to feel like they're a part of your family and a part of the body. Um, you know, hopefully, even if you're married, you remember what it was like to be single and, you know, you married couples who are longing for the day to be single again, you might want to stay away, but, but for those people that want to participate in this fellowship, there's a flyer out there. And if you know people who feel kind of displaced or you can tell they're just not clicking, it'd be a great thing to invite them to come to that group. And even if you're married, offer to bring them with you and they won't be so intimidated. And those of you who are single people, don't chicken out because, oh, it's singles. It's, it's the body of Christ. And so I would encourage you to pick up a flyer and come on out. That starts next Sunday, 6 to 8.30, and it meets in the room that we use for overflow that's right next to the lobby on that side of the building. So if you're driving in, it's the left side of the building coming through the lobby, the room there on the left-hand side. So uh, come on out for that. Boy, I think that's all the announcements, and so let's close in prayer. <laughs> now, we'll, I'll just go ahead and teach a quick study since you're all here. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Studying through the book of Galatians the last few months has just been awesome. I'm enjoying this book more and more the more I read it. It's it's something that calls us back to the simplicity of what it means to be a Christian. And boy, do we need that. Our lives become so complicated. Our faith becomes so complicated. And the message of Galatians, this message from Paul is, no, it's not that complicated. It's very simple. The gospel, the good news, Jesus died for you. He paid for your sins. He has done everything that you need to have done for you. 
He gives you a fresh start. And He's not asking you to join anything or to do anything or to follow any regulations. He's just saying, let me love you. You love me. I'll take care of everything else. Everything that you are to be, I'll do it in you. And it's free. There's no obligation. There's no burden on you. It's not your problem. It's mine. That simple, glorious truth of the gospel. And what that leads to is... Paul explains so well, is it leads to a freedom. That when you understand what the gospel is all about, the same way in which you accepted Jesus Christ that first time, you keep living that way. It's as easy as that. It's just a simple reliance on Him, a realization that He is going to do it all. It's all about Jesus. And he goes, that will set you free. Everything that ever held you in bondage, whether your bondage was religion, whether it was the world, whether it was your flesh, whatever it was, he set you free. And he says, don't allow yourself, as we saw last week, to be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the liberty that Jesus Christ gave you. This is such a glorious and important lesson to learn. It's something we need to remember constantly and repeatedly. And yet now as he's moving into the practical section of this book, and boy, we're coming up into the, what it means to walk in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh, and all this stuff. But before that, he addresses the Galatians, and he says, you know what, basically, you guys are tangled. I'm telling you not to be, but there's some stuff that you've, been, that you've had dished out to you that's robbing you of your freedom. There are things that you've heard, ideas that you've picked up on, teachings that you've experienced that are holding you back from everything that God has for you in your life. You're stilted and you're, and you're stuffy and you're, you're being ruined. And, and so here in these next few verses, beginning with there in verse 7, and we'll look through verse 12 this morning, he addresses those who tripped you up. His, his stress at this point isn't on the people who have been tripped up, but he's going, what happened to you? And he gives us a lot of hints of what happened. And you know, this is something that we, at our own peril, we ignore the possibility that somehow, somewhere, we too can pick up a message that's just plain wrong. That we can fall victim to those who would rob us of our liberty and of the beauty of a simple relationship with Jesus Christ. In the verses that we looked at last Sunday, we saw that it comes down to faith, hope, and love. And that sounds really simple. It is simple. But there are those who would be happy to complicate that for you. And in the process, they will prevent you from developing the way God wants you to develop. They would pre prevent these qualities of faith and hope and love from working in your life in such a way that you can naturally develop. And instead, what happens is there's an unnatural development that happens whereby you go from being a Christian who's been set free to where you develop into a religious person that is something that not only are you being destroyed, but you're destroying those around you, ripping them off. And you feel like the day I became a Christian was the greatest day of my life, and it's just been downhill ever since. Whatever sense of freedom I once had, I've lost it. And Paul here addresses these legalizers, these Judaizers who were doing that to the people in Galatia. He addresses them as harshly as he addresses anyone else ever in all of Paul's writings, as we will see. 
But he starts out in verse 7, and he says, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? The word there for obey is a word in the Greek, pytho. When you read it in English, you miss the flow of his argument here. So I'm not usually going to bore you with Greek words and you don't need to write it down. But I want you to notice this. The word there that's translated in, in our New King James as obeying, the same word, a different form or a derivative of the word is in verse 8 when it says, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. And then in verse 10, the word, I have confidence in you, that word too is a Greek word, pytho. It's a word that basically means to be convinced, to be sure of because you've been sold on the idea. And so he says, somebody hindered you from being sold on the truth, from being persuaded of understanding and realizing what the simplicity of the gospel is. Now, the first thing I want to call your attention to is those first three words in verse 7. He says, you ran well. Paul likes to use the image of a runner and you know, Paul talks about Philippians and in Corinthians, other places. He talks about this is a race that you have to run. I believe Paul in Hebrews, some people don't think Paul wrote Hebrews, but the same picture of running with patience or endurance, the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus. It, it's, it's such a, uh, an image because running for most of us is kind of an unpleasant thing. But to people who are good at running, they enjoy it. Personally, I've never managed to get the runner's high. But man, I can look at somebody running and go, whoo, watch old, the old Chariots of Fire movie and just go, man, look at that guy. He's running in slow motion and he's feeling the pleasure of God. And well, that's the image. That's the picture. That's kind of what he, what he likes to use to refer to it. It's like unhindered, free, just going for it. It's interesting that he says to the Galatians, you ran well. You were doing okay, but something happened to interrupt that. Now, this, to me, gives us one clue as to who and how we get tripped up by teaching that would rip us off from the freedom of the grace of God. Remember, when you became a Christian, it seemed so easy. Where did you start messing up? Someone convinced you that you weren't doing well. Somebody let you know that there's something more, and boy, it's about time that you need. It's the easiest pitch for a preacher to make people feel like they're not good enough, to cause people to feel that, you know what, you're bogged down. Oh, one easy way to do it is to say, look, are you more in love with Jesus today than you were three days ago? And you're like, I don't know. I don't remember three days ago. I don't... And I go, well, then see, it's time to get back on track. What message that actually sends is, you're not doing so well. The truth is, we don't need to be reminded of that. The devil is reminding us constantly that we're not doing well. But I love Paul's perspective. He's going, you were doing great. You were running well. Oh, I know you didn't know too much. I know that you didn't have all this great expertise. But you were right on track. Now, if we understand what it is to have God live his life through us, to live in relationship with Jesus Christ, then we will have that glorious assurance that we're right where we're supposed to be. God is working. He knows what he is doing. I don't need someone to tell me what I'm doing wrong. I know what I'm doing wrong. 
And life has ways of showing me that in many, many different fashions and forms. But the truth is, for me, I need somebody to tell me, you're going for it. You're running well. This works. Now, truth is, there are always all kinds of things I'm doing. I remember when I was a new Christian, I mean, most people would have said I was a mess. And I really was. And I went from being, you know, I grew up in church, was always there, but I found the Lord when I was 18. And overnight, I was like the most spiritual person in the church. <laughs> and so it's, you know, here I am, I, I'm in charge of a youth group. I don't know what I'm doing. I was a delinquent my whole life. But there I am, God's using me for ministry. But man, I, I'd hate to go back now and think of what my teaching must have been like at that point. I'm sure it was so mixed up and messed up and worse yet. I mean, I did things that, man, if one of our youth workers ever did it, I'd fire them in a second. I remember we used to, after I taught a Bible study, it was trash night in the neighborhood, and so we would go over and tip over trash cans. It's really fun. You reach out the door of a car, hang onto the trash can, get it going about 30 miles an hour, and just let it fly into the curb, and trash goes everywhere. And, you know, other fun youth group activities I did was getting a shopping cart over behind a store and get it going really fast, and it would put a hole in a brick wall. It was... It, no, not you, Dave. Yeah, it was after I was saved, but before I was filled with the Spirit. Okay, I'll hide behind that. Not really. The truth is, those times were some of the most productive times spiritually in my life. I was crazy. I did things I shouldn't have done. And, you know, there were plenty of people to step in and let me know how wrong I was. But God was doing things in my life that I couldn't even fathom. And I'm not suggesting take your kids out tonight and go tip over some trash cans. It'll be fun. But, you know, I, and it's neat. There's, a, there's one man, really, who believed in me back then, and he was like a father to me. And his name's Art Carlson. I've told you about him many times, but he's here this morning, and I'm blessed to see him here. Art, would you stand up? Come on. There you go. Here's a guy who... While other people were telling me what I was doing wrong, he was a guy that was telling me, you're doing good. You're running well. And how I needed to hear that. If I didn't hear that, I would have given up. And what Paul is saying here is, you guys were doing better than you thought. You listened to people who told you what you were doing wrong, and they might have been right. You might have been doing things wrong. But what happens is the lesson that life teaches you ultimately is if you allow yourself to listen to everything you're doing that's wrong, you tame yourself. You slow yourself down. You take away that adventuresome spirit, that, that love for something fun, that ability to laugh. And all you do is make this lame, mature version of yourself that's just so boring that God would never be able to do anything through you because the life of God can't be seen through you because you're so tame and so safe. He's going, no, you got to believe it. You guys were doing okay before. I know you didn't know everything. You didn't understand everything. But beware of the voice that tells you you're not running well. Beware of the voice that tells you that your Christian life is going nowhere. You're not running. You call that running? Hey, that's the voice of those who will end up stopping you dead in your tracks. Those people who don't believe in you, those people who, who don't give you the benefit of the doubt, and those people who see what you're doing wrong instead of also all the right that God is doing in your life. 
And so he says, you were running well. Who hindered you? That is literally the word is who tore the road out ahead of you and brought you to a cold screeching stop? Who hindered you from trusting in, obeying, believing, being persuaded of the truth? The question now focuses on who did this. And so he's being so loving. He's not going, how could you believe this? But he's saying, who'd you listen to? Who taught you this? I didn't teach you this. This isn't something that, that was a natural progression of what happened to you when you accepted Jesus Christ. When you accepted him, there was a freedom. There was love. There was the sense that all I really need to do is hear from God and do what he tells me to do and love him and love others. And wow, it's just natural. It's just so supernatural that it's natural. It's a beautiful thing that I want to do in your life. Who did you listen to? And this is a huge warning to us because we listen to a lot of voices. Some of us are hearing voices from those who would teach the scriptures to us, but they have a way of teaching it in such a way that it brings us to a screeching halt. There are others who hear voices of people that aren't even in our lives anymore. Some of us have voices that come from our past, even from what our parents said and how they defined us or how our teachers laid out what their image was of us, or what other kids expressed in such a way that it caused us to feel like, I'm just not good enough. Maybe what a spouse has has said or done to define you in a way that's so limiting. And God would say, those voices that hinder you, those voices that cause you to quit running, those voices that cause you to just become discouraged and to give up, what's that? Why are you listening to that? They are brainwashing you, and we'll see later. It's, it's about what you think. It's about your mind. And so these people not only tell you you're not running well, but they step in and persuade you of something that's different than where you started, of something that's more. Yeah, there's the gospel, but there's so much more. Oh, be careful. Be careful who influences you. Be careful whose thoughts become a part of your thoughts, because he says in verse 8, this persuasion doesn't come from him who calls you. There are some translations of the Bible and some people who read the scripture and they, and they translate it, him who called you. The idea that, hey, you became a Christian, he's not the one who's leading you in this way. But the word there for call is, is in the present tense. It's the idea, and really the best translation of it, the way you would translate this verb anywhere else is, he who is calling you. Now, the idea is, you're hearing a lot of voices, but there is one who is calling you. His voice is is speaking. Oh, there are some people who say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. I suspect you have. It's just that there's so much other noise. Sometimes it's hard to see it because God almost never yells at you. God whispers, he speaks in a still, small voice. And it's constant, and it's from his heart, and it's exactly what you need to hear. But sometimes we hear what God's telling us, and we think, that can't be God, because it doesn't sound like any of the preachers I hear. It doesn't make me feel bad. This is dangerous. Or we hear the voice, but we're hearing so so many other things that, that are so much more strongly expressed. Or from people that we think, I know they hear from God, so I better listen to what they have to say. 
But Paul is warning the Galatians here, there's a God who is calling you, and the voice you're listening to, the message that is coming through in your life, it's not consistent with him. It's not consistent with the grace of God. It's not speaking assurance. It's not speaking comfort. It's not speaking freedom at all. The voice is telling you to be enslaved, to be burdened, to be afraid. And he said, that voice isn't the voice of the one who is calling you. A part of hearing God's voice as he calls to you is the ability to not listen to all those things that aren't him. And that's what we need to be so careful of and cautious about and conscious of. Otherwise, our natural progression is to take on all of this baggage and to be now enslaved, maybe enslaved in something different than we were enslaved in before. Maybe at one point you were enslaved to, to a lifestyle of lust or to addiction to substances or whatever, and now God freed you, and then he goes, but here, I've got another burden for you, and he chained you up to religion. It's freedom. When we think about holiness, so often we think, I want holiness, as if holiness was something that can be given to us. Holiness and purity, biblically, it's about what you don't have. It's not about what you have. You don't get holiness. You get rid of everything that's not holiness, and holiness is what's left. And that's the good news, that God wants to deal with us in such a simple way that everything that doesn't sound like holiness is gone, and now we hear the voice of our Father calling to us. And sometimes we can try so hard to hear from God that all we do is hear from things that aren't God. And how do you know? You feel like you're not running so well. You feel like something's been dropped in your path. So Paul goes on and he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I don't know much about leaven, but I'm told that it doesn't take very much leaven in order to infect a whole loaf of bread and to cause it to rise. I think it's actually a rotting process that goes on. It doesn't take much. And why is he using that statement here? Because usually when the false message, that religious message, that legalistic message comes in, it doesn't usually completely overturn the apple cart of what you've known and believed in. It's a very subtle working in of whatever it is that will ultimately ruin everything for you. If I wanted to corrupt you today, I wouldn't come up today and say, hey, it's great to see you today. God has given me a special message from Him, and it's for you personally, and I hope all of you will jump on the bandwagon. Here's what we're going to do. There's a comet that's coming, and a lot of people don't know it, but God told me there's a spaceship behind the comet, and if we will all put on Nikes and kill ourselves we'll be in the spaceship behind the comet. Who's in? A couple people are kind of half asleep. Yeah, <laughs> you go, Dave, you're nuts. Now, there are a handful of people who will buy into some goofy cult like that, but usually a cult starts by just putting a little twist on it, like saying, yes, the gospel, it's true. You're free in Jesus. He loves you. It's all about you. You can't save yourself. All the truth. However, of course, we do need to try to do what he says if we're going to stay in the family of God. Ooh, be careful. It's just a little subtle thing. doesn't seem too dangerous. But what Paul is saying is 
these false teachers, and they may not know they're false teachers, by the way. In this case, they apparently didn't. But what they'll do is they'll be just a little off in a little way, and all of a sudden you'll feel yourself slowing down, and something got in your path. And the freedom that you once had, oh man, it's gone. My life is entangled again. It's becoming a mess. And I don't even know how it happened. But as he says here, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's, it's something that is very subtle. Expect it to be subtle. It can come from people that you'd think are right on because they're pretty much right on. And yet, your freedom is gone. You've been sucked over the falls. It's just all of a sudden, what happened? The truth is, I can do it to myself. I can take something that's a good thing, and I can start to do it just because I feel like I need to. I can start to do the right thing in a legalistic way. I can start to read my Bible every day because I have to. I can start to go to church because that's what good Christians do. And all of a sudden, something that I used to want to do, now it's become a burden to me. And I'm feeling like... uh, Maybe I'm doing the right things, but sometimes it's for the right reason, for the wrong reasons. And so he would say, be careful. This is subtle when it happens. The message isn't obvious. Today, there aren't going to be a lot of people who, all of a sudden, you turn on your Christian radio station and you hear them saying, you know what? The truth is we are under the law. And we're going to have a big barbecue down at Salt Creek and we're going to sacrifice a lamb and and we're going to start obeying the law. Yeah, well, that's not going to work. I mean, unless you really like lamb a lot. But usually it's going to be, what? Under the law? We're not under the law. But the enemy has subtle ways of causing us to be pulled in to be under the law, and we don't even realize what's happening. And Paul's saying, be careful, because these liberty stealers are subtle. But if you give them an inch, as we saw earlier in the book of Galatians, if you add anything to the gospel, it's not the gospel anymore. It's you're departing from the truth to, to water it down, to add anything to it. Now, as he says in verse 10, I have confidence, again, pytho, the same word. I'm persuaded in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. He said, I trust you. I trust God in you. Now, again, this gives us another related warning sign to look for in looking for how these messages of legalism creep in to rob us of the beauty of the grace of God, the truth of the gospel. See, there are some people who just don't trust you, and there are sometimes what they try to communicate to you is to cause you to not trust yourself. And I understand this because I'm teaching in Galatians. And I'm struggling some of the time because I'm thinking the message this morning is so simple. It's just the grace of God. It's faith, hope, and love as we saw last week. It's just letting him do it, not being under the law, not following the rules, not being religious. And I'm thinking, man, as much as I know this is true, I kind of hate to teach it this way because I'm kind of afraid that somebody will take this message And they won't be here next week when we talk about using it for an opportunity for the flesh. And they'll miss the message on the works of the flesh. And they're just going to go out and just, you know, ruin their lives. Wait a minute. God says, do you trust me as I am working in those people? Do you really believe 
that I can do this, I can make this happen, that the gospel as simple and as clear as possible doesn't work, and we all have to decide. But Dave, I have a rule that I always read the Bible every day. Are you telling me that if I don't read the Bible tomorrow, that won't hurt my relationship with God? And I'm going, I'm telling you that if you don't read the Bible tomorrow, it might help your relationship with God. (gasps) If you're reading the Bible because you think somehow you're gaining brownie points with God, that you're getting closer to God because you're doing what He wants you to do, I'm saying, I trust God enough that when you discover that you're free, you're not going to go off and go crazy. And, And that's what Paul's saying here. I have, you know... They're persuading you of something else, but I'm persuaded, I'm confident that not only you started out okay, but if you'll just start to get back to that simplicity, that you'll be all right. I'm confident that you don't have to follow rules in order for me to do, for God to do the work that he wants to do in your life. Hey, following the rules, you can't follow the rules. That's the message of the law. And you also don't know which rules are the rules to follow. And sometimes breaking rules, God may have a place for that. Living your life by thinking that you're perfectly safe. Do you, know, do you understand how many pastors end up cheating on their wives, even though they have a rule that they'll never meet with a woman alone? There's so many pastors that think they can keep from falling into that trap if they just have a rule. You know what? Rules don't keep you righteous. Rules draw a line and you're going to step over it. Rules are something that make you feel really bad when you break it. But I've seen over and over again people feeling safe with rules. And somehow the heart just gets a long way from that. And and it's not that relationship. You're not sensing God's love working in your life. You don't feel free anymore. If you feel trapped, then something's wrong. There's something you need to get rid of. God came to set you free, to give you an abundant life. If that life isn't abundant, somebody's ripping you off. But Paul's saying, you know what? I know, I understand. The teaching of grace, it's dangerous. But he said, I trust you because I trust that God is working in you. God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do you trust him? God is working. He doesn't say there in Romans 8 that if you do the right things, if you make sure you go to church and read your Bible every day, memorize a certain number of scriptures and hang out with these people and don't watch TV and never smoke and don't drink, you know, then God will work in you. No, the truth is, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, God is working in you. And God is working in the people who you love, who are in your life that you wish you could change. It's just that he works in each of us differently. He works in each of us according to his individual plan for us. And so I see you doing things that I wish you wouldn't do, but I've got to trust that God's working in you. I can't, there are times when I have somebody that I know is failing in an area and I feel like grabbing them and choking them and just going, don't you get it? But my question is, Am I going to fix you, or am I going to trust God to work in you? Will I trust you to God? And so I will say the truth, and I'm going to tell you grace until my dying breath, and I trust that it works. 
I've seen it work in my own life. I know how when I tried to be good, it didn't make me good. And when I just tried to know Jesus and love Him and be loved by Him and simplify my life and feel free from the bondage of whoever and whatever, I know that works and I trust it to work. And people who don't trust you aren't worth listening to. I, there are a lot of rules in the church and, you know, in ministry. And I was thinking today as I was thinking on this passage of the day when I, I had some kids come in who were really concerned because their mom was home alone, very distraught, said that you probably won't see me when I come home because I'm going to kill myself. So they came into my office and told me about it, and I felt, I felt horrible, and I just, all I could think of to do, I just headed over, got their address out of the file, went over, knocked on the door, and she answered the door and just looked horrible and was struggling and, and really wanted to kill herself. And I sat there all day long, about seven hours, in an apartment with a single lady all alone with the lights off. And I prayed, and, you know, I talked to her, and I listened to her, and some of the time I just sat there. And inside, I was thinking, this, I know, is against the rules, but this is what I'm doing. And a couple days later, sure enough, Romaine must have heard about it somehow, and he called me over to the corner of the office, and he goes, Dave. I go, what? He said, is it true that you went and sat in an apartment for seven hours with a lady, just the two of you, nobody else there? I said, yeah. He backed me up against the windows there in the office of Calvary. He took his stubby little finger and he stuck it in my chest. And he said, don't you ever lose the ability to do that. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and that's what he's talking about. Will you trust God? Maybe there's someone in your family that isn't doing how you want them to do. And you know, oh man, if I could just, if they would read the Bible more, if they would just do this more, get involved with that more, I know it would be better. Don't fix them. Don't nag them. Don't try to persuade them. Trust God. Because He may be working in their life in a different way. And you know, He may be working in your life to keep you from being so judgmental and so legalistic. That may be the bigger picture. So those who give these false messages, these enslaving messages, are those who come to us and they would say to us, I don't trust you. I don't trust God in you. I'm wondering whether you're even really a Christian or not. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we can know. If somebody's given their heart to Jesus Christ, we can trust them. Trust Him with that dangerous truth that it's not up to you. Trust Him with the truth that legalism is a mask, it's a game, it's phony. Religion is just man's way of trying to conform you into something because they're afraid that God's not able to do it. Don't listen to those voices. Please don't. And as Paul says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, that you won't be persuaded of some of these ideas that are destructive. But he who troubles you, the word there means to be tangled up, uh, probably referring back to the entangling that he referred to in verse 1, the one who's tying you up shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. That whoever he is, 
is a very strong statement that's basically saying, listen, I don't care who it is that's telling you this. Do not allow yourself to be brainwashed to a legal way of living instead of a relationship way of living. Don't allow, I don't care if it's the biggest name in Christianity. I don't care if it's the person who led you to the Lord. I don't care if it's the person that you revere over and above everyone else, whoever he is. Remember earlier, Paul said, hey, even if I come and tell you something different, or even if an angel comes and tell you something different, anathema, accursed. And now he's going, look, you're believing these people because you think they are something. You see them as someone on a pedestal. But he said, the truth, the simple truth of the gospel is that grace works. It does. And so I don't care who they are, even if it's me, don't listen. And I'd tell you the same thing. Whatever voices are convincing your mind that you can't trust God to work in your life and in the lives of the people around you, whatever messages have come through to you that have caused you to feel more bound, more enslaved, don't listen to it. I don't care who says it. Hey, sometime on a Sunday, you might just feel like going to a baseball game instead of coming to church. I don't want to make you feel guilty. Mail in your tithe. Just kidding. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's not, church isn't magic. God's magic. He can work in you. Oh, man, some of the deepest religious experiences I ever had was during that Angels Championship run, you know? (laughs) Hey, we can trust God. Don't listen to anyone who tells you you can't. It's funny. I've seen a lot of different kinds of parents, and there are some parents who are so intent on controlling their kids. They foolishly believe that they can do it. Train them God's way. You can just beat them into submission or whatever. And that's maybe a false characterization. I don't mean to imply that on any particular group of people. But the idea that you can train a kid the way you can train a seal and jump through a hoop and you know, eat fire and everything, balance a ball on their nose. I've seen other parents who just, they trusted God so much it was annoying. I felt they were so permissive their kids were going to be destroyed. Discovered an amazing thing. Some of the people that at one point I branded as some of the worst parents that I knew just loved their kids, built their kids up, encouraged them. I thought, you're creating a monster. Yet for some of them, their kids are some of the most godly people I know today. And I think, where did I get that idea? It's the idea, the basic idea of legalism, that we can train each other. No, I guarantee if you're trying to train the people in your life in that sense. Now, we are to exemplify Christ, and there's a training element to raising children, training them up in the way they should go. But if you believe that you can give someone enough rules that you can determine how they're going to live their lives, you're going to find out that as they get a little older, they're going to start resenting it. And if you're telling them to read their Bibles, they're going to not want to read their Bibles. I've known people, I've seen this happen in marriages sometimes where there's somebody who just, you know, they love God. They've always longed for, to have their family join together with them in this relationship. But then they nag people enough that nobody wants it. And then maybe one person decides they want it, but it's like, now I don't even want it. And, you know, what happens? Well, we don't have the power to change ourselves. We certainly don't have the power to change others. But the grace of God means that God is working. He does know what he's doing. And I don't care who tells you otherwise, that is the only thing. God's grace, 
His sovereignty. That's all that's going to end up turning us into something that's redeemed, that's bought back, that's new and improved, that we can look back and say, I grew. Nothing else works. So whoever they are, don't listen. And he says, and I, brethren, verse 11, and we'll close here pretty quick, but I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. The idea here is there were some people who were saying, hey, Paul teaches circumcision. They were trying to make him on their side, but he's saying, look, the nature of the truth, the nature of the gospel, if you're teaching the truth, you're going to be persecuted. Religious people won't like it because they've worked all their lives to achieve a form of godliness, and they don't want somebody telling you it's free. Somebody who just mortgaged their whole life in order to buy a new car, they hate it when somebody finds one a lot cheaper. Or somebody says, oh, I just won it on a game show. It's like, what? And that's why religious people hate the truth when it comes right down to it. And they hear you talking grace, and they're like, oh, no, that's terrible. That's cheap grace. It's not about cheap grace. It's free grace. Is it cheap? It costs Jesus Christ his life. It's not cheap, but it's cheap to you and it's cheap to me because it's free. He gave it to us. And religious people can't stand the idea that it cannot be about religion. Legalistic people will just rebel against someone who has a liberty that they don't have. It's just the way it works. People don't like that. They want to stress and they want to struggle. But we are to live our lives freely. And I forgot to mention to you, many of you were praying about the possibility of a church facility that we were bidding on this last Thursday, and we ended up not getting it. We went in with, a, with a, the mentality you ought to have at an auction where we set a price and we're saying we're not going any higher. Oh, it was so hard, because I really wanted it. And I'm kind of disappointed, to be honest with you, on a certain level that we didn't get it, because it was like, oh, this would be great. But there it was. It's like, am I going to fudge what I told God by $25,000 and maybe get this thing? Or am I going to get what God wants for me? Is, is God going to do the work? And so really without flinching, we just said, that's it, we're done, congratulations, it's okay. I mean, inside, I wasn't feeling that totally, but I had such a good feeling walking away going, we gave God a chance to bless us, and we gave God a chance to Bless us even greater somewhere else, some other way. God must have something better for us. Boy, it's so nice to be free of that. Oh, while I was driving home, I started thinking of some different bidding strategies and how, why did I let them bid 5.6 million? If I had bid an extra 25 on the previous bid, then they would have had to bust 5.6. Maybe they wouldn't do that. And, we, and I'm like, you know what? That's not it. God's not limited by my strategy. We gave him a chance, and this is what he did. I read this week about a church that just did a year-long fundraising campaign, raised $103 million. Pretty impressive. But what we did here was even more impressive because we had a one-week campaign, and we got a million dollars to try to buy that building. But the more amazing thing than getting a million dollars in a week we're giving it back because we didn't get the building. So if you gave a check for the building, it's coming back. We'll mail it to you this week. See, it's that easy. 
I'd just as soon have you hang on to your money until God gives us an opportunity, and then we'll use it. There's no point in us sitting on it or waiting. It's got to be God. I only want it if it's God. And so, too, it's important for us to understand people don't like that. People will criticize that. People will attack you for, you know, Dave, maybe you'd have a building if you just push a little harder. You know, I'm sure that's true. We've had opportunities that if I wanted to push, we'd have a building. Well, wouldn't you be better off right now? I don't think so. Because now it would be about me. Now it would be what you strive to gain, you're going to have to strive to maintain. And God may have something better for us. We're doing fine here. This is okay. And, but it's God. But just be warned. If God is ministering freedom and grace to you, there are going to be people who take issue with that. There are going to be people who say, well, that's only half the story, legalists. That's what it is. Now we go, you want to be balanced. Yeah, you want to be balanced, but let me tell you something. Some people might decide to find a balance by saying, you know, there's this one church that, man, you go there and you feel so guilty. They get up there and they preach righteousness and, and you're just ripped to shreds and you go out of there and just drag and feel like it. And there's other church, they never mention sin, they don't talk about failure, they, don't, they just make you feel really good. So, you know, I'm going to get balanced. So every other week I'm going to go to church A. <laughs> and then next week I'll go to church happy place. And between the two, I'll find a balance. That's not balance. It's two lies. One lie that says you're no good, there's no hope for you, you failed, you're out of the race. The other lie on the other side saying, pay no attention to what's destroying your life. It's not a problem. We can't go with either one. We need to be honest about our sin. We need to recognize that we have a propensity to do things that are self-destructive. But at the same time, we need to understand it's already been paid for. And radically, amazingly, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. All that's scary. But will you trust him? Will you believe that he knows what he's doing? He finally, in verse 12, one of the harshest verses you can imagine coming from an apostle He's thinking of these people who have robbed them of their freedom, robbed them of their joy, robbed them of their relationship, turned them into religious clones. And he says, those guys, I don't care who they are, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. He's just been talking about circumcision, and that means exactly what it sounds like it means. They want circumcision? I wish they would just go a little bit further. Now, it's kind of a mean thing for an apostle to say, but it lets us know something. This is serious business. It's simple. It's true. It's the key to our life, discovering the grace of God, walking with just the simplicity of that faith and hope and love. And he's going to develop that further as we continue to study through Galatians. But as far as Paul was concerned, and we would look at this, I could wish that... I mean, it was like, that's cursing. But he said, Martin Luther, talking about this passage, said, if there's ever a time to curse, that's the time. When someone is teaching a gospel that would rob you of the freedom that's in Christ. And so sometimes harsh situations require harsh measures. And Paul gets, he makes his point very, very clear. Don't let this happen. Don't allow anyone, I don't care who they are, to convince you 
that life is about following rules. Understand, remember, relish in, glory in the truth of the gospel, the good news, that it wasn't about us. And I'm convinced sometimes God will allow you to fail miserably just so that you can realize, okay, the pressure's off now. I blew it so bad. Now, at once I thought I was righteous. Now I think the record has been straightened out and I'm not. Man, it feels good to have that lifted off my back, to have that burden removed, and just to allow Jesus to be Jesus. Allow God to be God. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You know, it is God who has made us and not we ourselves. We didn't do it. We're not self-made men and women, and we're not kept by what we do either. Get this into your head, Paul would say. Grace, love, He does it. It's all about Jesus. Get back to that point of simplicity. That's where you were doing the best that you've ever done, was at that point. Stay in the grace of God. Sometimes people talk about grace and there isn't any grace there. I always used to joke that most churches that have grace in the title, you could pretty much count on not finding grace there. Most churches that have faith in the title, you can pretty much count on their faith is faith in you to be able to give them enough money so they can do what they want to do. But the grace of God, the center of our being, the center of our existence, understanding that, I know it sounds like an oversimplification, but I don't care who tells you different, it's true. The grace of God, the gift of Jesus Christ, the absolute forgiveness of sin, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Your sin is not your problem anymore unless you let it be. If you let Him have it and you receive the grace of God, trusting Him to do that work, the one who has begun a good work in you, He's going to complete it. One way or another, He's going to complete it. Trust that. Let's pray. Lord, When we look at these verses, we, oh, we conjure up images of legalistic people who have communicated destructive lies to us that aren't from you. But Lord, even more disturbing is we are reminded of all the times when we misrepresented you, when the message that came from us is, hey, you're not running well. Hey, it's not enough. You need to clean up your act. If you're going to be worthy of God, you need to make yourself worthy. Lord, all those chains, all those burdens, please set us free from this kind of lifestyle. Help us to walk in, in the beauty of who you are, understanding relationship and trusting you to do what only you can do. God, we're sorry for starting religious stuff all the time. Lord, We've learned it doesn't work. People who seem the holiest so often turn out to be the unholiest. So God, we just need you to work. Take us back to the place of being naive enough that we really believed what you said when you said it is finished. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.